Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I'm your host, Logar the Barbarian, and I'm joined by a, a good friend of mine, Prairie Pirate Yo. He's a, a Twitch streamer of the channel Prairie Pirate Yo. Welcome. Good uh good day. Good day. How are you? It's 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 the today is actually the last Saturday episode we're gonna do of the daily podcast. We're on the countdown of the last week, and you're here for the last week of it. Welcome. Well, con- congratulations. <laughs> Thank you for having me finally. No doubt. So how have you been doing? <laughs> uh, I've been doing okay. Uh busy with content with the making doing art content. Kind of taking a break from my channel to kind of focus on some YouTube videos. Uh, real quick before we get in, tell you you've been running a, a Twitch channel here lately called Prairie Pirate. Yo, you want to tell folks about that so they can check it out and get an idea of what you're doing over there? What you, what you all do? Yes, I'm a I'm a Twitch streamer, a Twitch affiliate. I've been doing this for uh, two and a half years, pretty much. I'm a I call what they call a variety gamer. Uh, my chat calls me Pirate or Prairie. I play a variety of games. My mainstays are Geo GeoGuessr with chat. I'm one of those GeoGuessr Andes who can look at a picture anywhere in the world and tell you which country it's in. So I run that uh, tw- at least twice a week. I do some Minecraft. Want to get into RPG stuff, but haven't really gotten around to that yet. Uh, I run a Discord. Uh, working on some YouTube channels. Working on a YouTube series right now about how to 5K the USA. That's kind of design help all those europeans figure out the united states like <laughs> things we take for granted like bucky's and aldi and well they know about aldi but they don't know about highway signs they don't know about kroger and things like that oh no you gotta know about the kroger big k colas where's that yeah. <laughs> we do a lot of the big k cola around here because it's cheap <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting like I thought I would like to talk about something that that pops up into mind is 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 I'm going to go back and do a quick history philosophy lesson. Okay. Go back 500 years ago when we discovered the printing press and, and Martin Luther, you know, nails his thesis to the the walls of the church and and big things happened. Like there was a big change in history and society. We have new technology now where we don't just have to sit there and take the Bible or the book and and intake it, but we can actually interact and put our own stuff out there. I personally believe that that's going to be a monumental thing in human history. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because here we are. We're able to put our own content out before. There was a time when you wanted to put out your own content. Things like zines and stuff were a possible option if you didn't have access to like publishing or the network television or anything like that and zines are still around so i'd be curious to talk about the changing of technology communication and how we consume our media et cetera, et cetera, or produce media oh yeah um you know I, i'm work, i'm working the funny the ironic thing is there's actually a game where you can play as uh martin luther you can actually kind of there's a game called pentiment which i've streamed and i've done like voice all the voices for it. it's an interactive <laughs> choose your own it's like a choose your own adventure game which is a very kind of a traditional thing yeah. you've seen sometimes in zines and rpg but i've been actually thinking the last couple this week about doing a crossover be, uh for ZineCon, which is coming up here mm-hmm. in kansas city sometime this year and i've been thinking about doing a zine about twitch which is kind of like a weird crossover and i kind of want to introduce people to the idea that twitch and streaming is a lot like the zine culture. It's like mm-hmm. a lot, it's very DIY technology. Um, it is a corporate platform, but you know, people are, you know, Xerox 
was a corporate, you know, technology, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, age gotta... layout programs were, were corporate technology, but people are taking it and doing some really fascinating zine-like things with um, with the tech, with streaming. It's really it's really fascinating. Now, a zine con in Kansas City, that's been going on for a little bit, for a few years, hasn't it? I'm not sure if they're getting close to their 10th anniversary or not. Um, I've gone like three, three or four times. I've tabled before. I'm pretty sure they started doing that after I left the area. I don't think it was around when I was there. That's possible, yeah. <laughs> I think I left right before all that started happening. So let's talk about that. Like, like zines, like you said, Xerox was like kind of what made that possible. That's that big corporate technology. It's that big corporate. Everything is produced under capitalism in our society. So most things that we're interacting with at some point in time has that corporate technology or presence if we want to be able to access the 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 goods or the things that are out there to be able to publish or do it at the end of the day i'd say you think i'm off there oh i mean you know people have been appropriating technology corporate technology capitalist technology for for centuries i mean printing press i mean underground the underground newspaper scene of the 60s and 70s uh there's there was a there was like radical and political newspapers in the in the late 19th century. One of the more infamous ones around um, the Kansas City area, which was from, from suburb, was actually from rural Kansas near Topeka. It was a small town there. There was a, a political newspaper back in the late 19th century called Lucifer the Light Bearer. Lucifer the Light Bearer. I, I'm not I'm not I'm not familiar with this one. Tell me more about it. <laughs> It was a it was a political it was it had radical politics kind of socialist politics of the day. Um, it was a small town, but you know it was kind of it may have been. I'm rusty on the history. It may have been tied in with the populist movements of the late 19th century, early 20th century. But you know, it's always been that kind of tradition out there of taking the technology what you have and doing interesting things with it. You know, we have that with music these days mm-hmm. with zines. You had you know my first zine was done on a mimeograph machine. I mean, even <laughs> people our age might not remember mimeograph machines, what those were. And this is like a kind of a alternative, you know, this is used in schools mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to make uh, lesson plans. And I use that to make my first zine in graduate school and library school. So what, you made your first zine on a mimeograph machine. Well, I'm curious what the zine was about. What, what did you make there? Was it? I actually took over an existing zine that was being done in the library school. It's called the Journal of Disjunctive Librarianship. It was at the <laughs> Univer- University of Wisconsin-Madison. And basically, we had you know typical zine stuff in there, had jokes and humor. I had actually done something like this in high school, believe it or not. Um I guess that's technically my first zine. It was a uh, maybe not the the thing I'm the most proud of. It was mm-hmm. kind of a high school thing, but it became a very kind of an off unofficial club in high school. Uh, I went to a suburban high school in Kansas City. We back in the uh, '80s they had these things called blank books. You everybody knows those now. You go to the, the arts and crafts store and you get a blank book, a sketchbook, yeah. right? Yeah. These were brand. These were new things back in the early '80s and lives in high school. I grabbed a few of those and we just started in class writing hum- like writing stories and doing comics and it we would pass it around to each other and sometimes the teacher would confiscate it <laughs> and it spawned a second volume and 
we had little plots where people like well the book was being stolen and unknown in the high school <laughs> we, we had a little sign up thing we even got like business cards made i was the janitor of the publication the janitor of the publication yeah. was your official I, I i respect the janitors a great deal they're some of my favorite people they make life very uh very tolerable for us we'd be up a creek without a paddle if we didn't have clean spaces to live in <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth so yeah uh, zines themselves like here recently in the last i don't know how long but zines themselves seems to have changed as the technologies have changed there's a lot more of these very artistic beautiful full color type things coming out because they people are able to you know do that now with our basic technology computers pcs what they can bring to layout design illustration and everything else and doing your own publication is it totally not what it was when we were just doing cut and paste with a with a xerox machine and 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 some of these things like even some big companies like free league who's one of the biggest game publishers puts out official zines now so something has changed <laughs> i mean it's been kind of a it's those the zines have been kind of they have become they've been known to the more mainstream media since the the late 90s so there's like you'll find publications and companies come putting out things like zines mm -hmm. um yeah i mean there's like there's been a resurgence in zine uh production the zine culture like in the last 10 years that's why you see things like the zine con you go to zine con in kansas city you have maybe 50 tables of people from around the midwest from around the u.s um selling zines it's still i'm not as connected as i used to be um i don't do my i've, I've done a few one-offs but i pretty much do a lot of stuff online now yeah like with twitch and things like that well this and quite a few years ago blogging was was kind of my main thing that i put a lot of my energy into and i i got the my personal like take on the blogging thing when it was it was popping off more you know a decade or more ago 20 years ago 10 years ago 15 years ago and very much like the zines it was it was easy access to being able to get your stuff out there to the world I think one of the things now is that that everybody's putting their stuff out and people want want people to look at what they've created or, or written and there's a there's there's like uh you oh I find it odd because because sometimes I'll post in like a Facebook or you'll see posts in like Facebook groups or other social media like hey look at my thing and then people will start complaining oh people are in here advertising when it's some person who's written a blog or made a zine themselves. I find that odd because every time I turn on one of those social media apps, I get nothing but paid advertisements streaming at me from corporations. Oh, yeah. And then when someone's yeah. like, hey, look at my thing as well, that's when they get enraged about the advertisement. <laughs> it, it's it's ironic. It's like people are like, you know, you can't promote yourself. But I mean, I would say that 2023 is the year of the blog. It's the, really? it's the, it's, oh, it's the hot new thing um, in several different ways. I mean, on one hand, we have like Substack, which is a very, very popular platform now. Medium is kind of like an older version of Substack. Um, you recently saw uh, Twitter and Facebook bin their Substack competitors because they couldn't compete. They couldn't get that organic. Um, it's easy for me to spin up a zine. I, I have some Substack. Um, newsletters i'm probably will move to self-hosting this year on the other hand on the other side of the equation you see a return to people wanting to control their content and not just produce content and art and things like that for a corporate platform like facebook or twitter so this year 
like with the Mastodon, the Fediverse, you have this explosion right now happening of people. Uh, Mastodon just hit 10 million users last week. And there's a lot of other things like Mastodon. People are, are going on there to, uh, and people are talking about RSS again, which was the origin, which is the origins of, of this technology that you are listening to today, <laughs> <The> podcasting, <laughs> which led, which led to Twitter. Twitter's based on podcasting, which is based on RSS. And people this year are talking a lot about RSS and they're writing the writing. This is exciting for me. I've been hoping for this day for years. I return to blogging, microblogging, having control of your own content. It's like zines. You know, you have your own voice, you have your own format. Podcasting is a lot like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like which is why it's so exciting for everybody. Because like audacity is not that hard to figure out. Yeah. It, it's not. I, I've been I've been learning a lot with Audacity. Uh, I've I've used it a lot in the past, but I didn't really get as what's the word I'm looking for as intimate with it until here. Since I've done a daily podcast, it's like well, I really know that Audacity. Uh, I'm pretty familiar with it at this point. <laughs> when you're putting content out on Substack, I, I've got some questions about Substack because I, I I started a Substack. I'm a little I'm a little. Uh, I'm not as knowledgeable on Substack and how it works. Is you can you can host? Can you host a podcast on Substack itself as yeah. well? Is that how it works? Yeah, I'm doing that right now. Substack has some issues, some political issues, which is uh, prompting some uh, more people to to go off of it. I'm I'm thinking I'm considering Ghost, which is uh, is very much a sister app to Substack. But with Substack, it's the the attraction to it is. And this is ironic, given that I've been a WordPress developer for 15 years. As WordPress has gotten so bloated, oh, that no. was the original blogging. <laughs> yeah, it's the original blogging app. And try and like write a daily blog on WordPress. It is not easy. <laughs> Substack is easier. It's it strips it down to getting focusing on your writing and also building your list. Mm-hmm. So it makes it very easy for people to join subscribe there's prompts it has really good widgets for to to generate people's uh, subscriptions and paid subscriptions they added a podcasting component which i use to publish it's very simple and i can either grant access to just paid members to the podcast or i can there's different tiers and i I've been doing that for two of my publications. The gaming one kind of had the, I've done a couple episodes of the podcast, but right now I've focused more on my food blog, my food substack. We got substack and, and we got all these different things that like, like zines that we can get our stuff out there. But then it seems to be that the, the main places that people have been interacting online lately have been like these large social media sites, Going back to a point in time when we had, I, I was running a blog regularly and posting regularly, and there were message boards and people were interacting on those. It was far more decentralized, and I liked that. Um, and you're saying that you think that that's a resurgence. I, 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 I are people going to be like, how are people going to be finding out about these sites to begin with, to be able to go to them and interact with them and whatnot? Like, cause it's not like it was, we used to have web rings and everything else. And dig was a thing. We could just flip through random sites and blogs. That's the, that's the billion dollar question. That is, <laughs> and, and that is the question is discoverability, which is sucks right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
Uh, Cory Doctorow, uh, uh, one of my favorite science fiction authors and technologists, is right, has been writing and talking daily about inshittification, about how our search engines are becoming useless. Amazon's useless. Google's useless. But even like on Twitch, there's like a huge discussion right now with Twitch laying off people and they lost their CEO last week. Um, a lot of streamers are upset about monetization, but also about discoverability. Twitch has promised discoverability improvements. People are like, how do I people find my stuff? It's hard to find my stuff. And that's like the big question across like uh, like publication. Like people like people like, well, you can oh, you can get exposed on Twitter or Facebook. Every the engagement, but everybody knows you talk to ask anybody, they're like, Yeah, I don't know if people actually see my posts. Do people <laughs> see my posts? This is a constant question for small businesses, for nonprofits, for projects, pages, and people. They don't know anymore. So discoverability is a huge thing. I think there's gonna be a I think we'll see some interesting developments with um, discoverability uh, out there, like across podcasts. Like I've, I've, I've thought about coding a podcast discoverability app. Oh yeah. There's, yeah, there's nothing out there. <laughs> yeah. Podcast. I know Spotify has been pushing harder into podcast stuff and a few other places. One of the things I got, like, like our little ad that we run is uh is telling folks I I can make a podcast, you know. So can you? <laughs> For, and you can, and, and that's one of the beauties about it. And I think that's something I encourage people to pursue their passions, put out their own podcast, put out their own streams and blogs, like like we had talked about. People who are making game zines, like you may not have five hundred pages worth of a game to put out there of content, but you might have 20 to 60 pages of really good content you can put in a zine, and you can do that yourself without having to reach out to some big publisher or someone else to do it for you you don't have to get you know uh, at this point self-publishing has become more and more of a possible thing for people too with the existing technologies of print on demand and everything else and again like with the podcast i encourage you to make podcasts put them out there for the world for everybody to listen to I am I, I am a big fan of the 15 to 20 minute format. <laughs> that's what we do here. <laughs> the difference between a podcast, a zine, a blog, like at a point, I think really like we're just talking about the medium that these things are being delivered at. Do you think I'm off on that or? Yeah, I mean, there's like there's like there's some thinking about like I've read some books on podcasting. I can't remember the title. I mean, there's like three different types of podcasts, basically. Mm hmm. Like what you're doing is the interview type, mm -hmm. right? That's a very common version. And it's like you find that on some some parts of Twitch. Zines are, there are some interview zines out there. Or like you'll find interviews like in like music zines, like Maximum mm -hmm. Rock and Roll, for example, yeah. was, an, was a famous uh, version of uh, a, a music zine that had interviews and other things. So like there's a lot of different different formats out there. That kind of translate across across format. I mean, different styles across formats. Yeah. No, I know the first thing that came to my and I don't know why this popped in my head, but when you mentioned that that the zine, I was like, the first zine I remember ever coming across or here, I didn't even come across a physical copy, just hearing about as if it's in the legendary ecosphere of the world of uh, like the legendary sniff and glue zine coming up in the eighties. I hear it about that one. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, that's a that's a that's a famous one, right? And it was one of the first ones that made me aware that this was even a thing. I, I, the first time I attempted anything like that was probably junior high when I threw together this little Doctor Who slash Zine comic thing on the Xerox <laughs> machine at my parents' work. <laughs> it's it's and it's funny because like science fiction and music have been the drivers for a lot of innovation with with uh, these media, with zines, podcasts, and everything else. I mean, I just got, I just went to Comic-Con this weekend. I mean, just, it's just huge, ginormous. And uh, the fandom, and it's just like Twitch. Twitch too is like just ginormous. A lot of science fiction there. I mean, we have science fiction conversations constantly on my streams, um, all these games. It's just. Well, that's interesting too, because like I feel that a lot of the science fiction and the comic books and Star Wars and things that are really big right now in the popular, like like they're big, they're popular, they're out there. There's a large fan base. There's huge conventions. A few decades back, it seemed more like if you were reading sci-fi, that's for nerds. But now there's something that's changed where the term nerds has become a popular cool term or something and there's definitely been a shift in the dynamic how all this stuff is and these fandoms have uh i don't know how to say it but like 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 fandoms of heroes and everything else like like it's grown to be massive industries bigger than i ever imagined like I thought they made a big deal about Kenner coming out with some Star Wars toys for a movie back in the day, saying that there was. <laughs> now there's, I don't even know where to start. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. Like I remember being, I was a nerd in in high school. I mean, you know, I was trying to find people to play D and D with me. As a, you know, I got into, I had the dungeon master, but back in those days, nobody, I had a friend that humored me <laughs> and um, it was so frustrating. I, I, I like, I really loved that stuff. And I was a science fiction nerd. I knew all the, I would watch every movie out there Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and I had the trivia books. I had the Star Trek technical manual. I had the Star Trek Starfleet map. And I've kind of kept up with that over the years off and on through going to cons and reading and stuff like that. So you you had talked earlier about getting into early D and D and playing for the first time. You you had you I think you had some kind of anecdote you wanted to talk about. Yeah, real I mean, since you, I know that your 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 fans and your podcast is a lot about RPG, especially indie RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm hoping to play more indie RPG in the future. Um, I want to do it on my stream because Twitch has added some new features called Guest Star, where it's mm-hmm. much easier to get people on stream. And I've been wanting to do some like try out some independent uh, pathfinders like more established indie one, but also some of the smaller ones. I first got, the funny thing is I first got an RP, I got first got an RPGs, D and D. I know the exact month and place. Uh, uh, the exact month and planned year, right? And year, year and place. What year was it? It was July, 1980 in France. Oh, that's, it seems very odd for somebody living in the Midwest to have that kind of memory. That's, you know, 43 years, coming up on 43 years ago. I was on a class trip. I was a freshman in high school, and my middle school art teacher had organized a trip to Europe to go look at art. So I was on a bus with a lot of other high schoolers from around the country, a tour bus. We were going from France to Geneva. So it was like a long, multi-hour trip. We were in the back of the bus. And one of the guys had a box with a with some dice and a little booklet 
and <laughs> and he had some something to write notes on and you're like this is called D D. i'm like really what's what's this about and we were playing for we played for a bunch of hours i got hooked on it and that's <laughs> i guess that's like the was the basic first set i think yeah so i'm there was the homes and then there was there was two different basic sets around that time, and I get them a little bit confused, and, and I'm a horrible person for doing that. But there was a Holmes and the Metzer sets that I believe were the two different ones that were out, and I can't remember which came out in which order and which time. Uh, I, I'm not a good person for that. I always have to look it up and reaffirm which was which. <laughs> It was it was well, it's pure pure RPG. I mean, there yeah. was I don't think there was a map. I don't think there were any. I don't know if there were any modules. I think the the person who was running it was kind of running things off the book. Mm-hmm. And I got hooked on it, and I got back to the U.S. And over the next couple of years, I spent money on the player's manual, the 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 DM manual. I bought those early modules, mm-hmm. which are uh, you know come back. They repurpose them or whatever. You- you know, the ones with the with the Balrog or whatever. And you recently, you recently yeah. dug up a really cool old, was it like an old Judges Guild uh, module or something along those lines within your your book your your book collection that you were showing me, didn't you? You remember what oh. I'm talking? Oh, I have like a, I have you know actually hold on, I don't know if this, I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but the Fantasy Cartographer's Field Book, and it is, it's by Judges Guild. That's an old, that's one of those old Judges Guild, and it's. It's printed on. Uh, it, it looks like just plain. Uh, what what kind of paper is that printed on? It's it's very. It's like normal, like a note. It's like a kind of a no, like like paper, paper, like like you yeah. throw through a printer paper. It seems yeah, the judges guild map. <laughs> the judges guild map key. You have like alignment. You can like I here's like here's an actual thing I did from the early eighties. Nice. Oh, you drew the map out in there. Is that what? Is that what that yeah, is? Yeah, that's, like oh, nice. that's on a hexagonal grid. Oh, that's great. So it's like it's like a map building toolkit from Judges Guild, essentially. Yeah, you got yeah, all the maps back in the day. I love have, it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to talk about art for a minute and change things up because you do art and I do art and we. I've known you a few years. I, I there was a point in time where you you were coming over to my house almost weekly, and I was working on a portrait. We spent a lot of time just shooting the shit there, talking while we painted. I think yeah. we did more talking than we did painting. You're right. And I know for me, like I, my art, like I, I was working in it a lot, many many times over the years, and 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 I uh, I I grew kind of dissatisfied with what I had to do work wise for art, and I. I really have a passion for doing stuff with my hand on paper, on canvas, as opposed to like clicking a mouse to do art. And I know you do a lot of art as well over the years. Don't you have a degree in art? Isn't yeah, that? I do. Yes, <laughs> I think that was. <laughs> yeah, uh, the ironic thing is that I'm trying to make a go of it now. Mm-hmm. All these years after getting a, and my under my undergraduate is, is in uh, fine arts, uh, BFA in painting and sculpture. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of look at my web design over the years as being my artistic outlet. Um, yeah. But these days I'm trying to do more fine art. Yeah, for me, it was like, uh, for me, the appeal of art since I was young is just the enjoyment of sitting there with that pencil or that brush or that crown or whatever it is and drawing it with my hands. Like There's something very hands-on, physical that I enjoy about doing art since I was little, 
that I don't get satisfied the same kind of satisfaction I get when I'm doing something digital, clicking on nodes for a vector image. That's just a lot of patience, a, oh, a yeah. lot of a lot of just tedious work there. Whereas, uh, and, and this may not be the way for you, but the, for me, it's I I when I sit down and I'm and I'm drawing or I'm painting at my easel, I can just it's like meditation. I have this sense of relief, this sense of just I, I, if something goes through me as I get into it, I can just kind of enjoy the painting and and, and all the uh, I guess the stresses and stuff like that can like sh shed away and drop. There's away. There's definitely something to that. I mean, I I it's been a while, long time since I've been there, but there's a zone mm -hmm. um, that you get into. And I I got into that when I was in art school, where you spend hours work, you have hours on your hands to work on something creative. You can totally lose track of time. Yeah, uh, I haven't really gotten to that too much lately. I've been doing like watercolors and some other projects, but one of it was it was I did uh, some watercolors recently for a Twitch stream where I was doing the doing a watercolor round where people would look at my watercolors and guess the location on uh, Chat Guesser. Uh, it was kind of fun, and uh, it's been a, a really good way for me to kind of give me a framework to do some work. That's something I've always struggled with was uh, trying to find subject matter and, and trying to find stuff to, to to do my art about because I I don't enjoy doing it if I'm doing it for school or if I'm doing it to make a living. Yeah, it's like I think I like to get to the, that point where I'm just doing it for myself. You know, that's oh yeah. I think where people do are more productive and have more fun with it, and also it's fun to work on paper or in, a, in actual physical media. I mean, there's something to that. And that's that's one thing, like you said, doing it for like sometimes when I'm doing that for a living and I'm sitting there, especially when I'm sitting there drawing something I don't want to draw and I can't stand that 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 zone I get into is not present at that point. It's like, oh, I'm stressed out. I don't want to sit here and draw this, whatever. And I've had plenty of plenty of jobs where I got picked up to draw things. I had no interest in drawing whatsoever, but I had to figure out how to draw them. <laughs> And in, in this, and that's, ex I, you know, this is exactly why I don't do commissions. I decide, made a decision when I resumed doing this uh, last year, I'm not going to do commissions. I'm not, mm -hmm. this is too much like freelance web work. I'm not going to be on the hook yeah. for somebody's expectation to produce something mm -hmm. because then I shut down. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you want me to do like uh, a watercolor of a rooster without any guidance from you, I mean, yeah, you, if I come out for a rooster painting, you can buy it if you <laughs> like it. I might have like three or four, but I I want to decouple this from work. That make yeah, that's good. It's something that you can have for yourself to enjoy instead of something that you like. Like every hour of your life, essentially as a as a wage, an hourly you know employee, you know all, all that element of my life is sold off to someone else. Uh, the one thing that is enjoyable that you can find that peace through and that that, that thing that you can love. That starts getting sold off too. You start using that for work. I've had that happen. <laughs> the flip side of that is that I also want people to understand that I'm I'm not doing. I expect compensation, fair compensation for my work. I'm not doing this for funsies. This is not a hobby. Yeah. Um, if you uh, want to buy something, it's it's going to cost you money. It's yeah. there's no. It's not. Oh, you're just doing this because you like to do it. Here, I'll throw a hundred dollars at you. like. 
No, I don't think so. Yeah, and again, I'm going back to you know our time is commodified under capitalism. We have to contend with that reality that that in order to get by, those hours mean something. I have to feed myself. <laughs> well, I got to buy art supplies. I got to pay rent. I have overhead. I'm gonna. We're about on time. I'm gonna ask you. Can you tell the folks that are listening at home where they can find you online, where they can follow, where they can check out your site and your Twitch and everything else? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um. I am available on twitch.tv slash Prairie Pirate Yo. That's my main uh, channel. Uh, if you go there, you can also find, and also my website, you can go to that. It's at utopiacraft.io, mm-hmm. which is about my, it's taken from my the theme of my Minecraft servers. And it has a lot of other stuff about gaming there. And you can find links there from my other, other projects, the YouTube channel, um, my Mastodon accounts, things like that. It, uh, there's one thing I was I was hoping we'd get to today, but I think we're out of time. But I, I, I was wanting to talk about books and libraries and everything else because you are. Uh... <laughs> well, go on. You are. I am. A, I'm a librarian by training. Yes, I have not worked as a librarian in some time, but you know, you. I've been. I've been. A, I have a library degree. I've worked as a librarian. I've run three bookstores. We actually were having a rather. On my Discord last night, we we're talking about books and used books and books that get donated to public libraries and uh, and bookstores that are ban- that are actually uh, unwelcome. Mm-hmm. And I found out that New Zealand libraries have have policies against certain books. Oh, and really? Things- oh, yeah. Um, which are the same as here. They're they're unwanted books. We mm-hmm. ran into that problem with uh, with a used bookstore like Da Vinci Code. Is as mm-hmm. no, we don't want that. <laughs> Most libraries reject National Geographics. I I I will take National Ge. I I have I have subscribed to National Geographic more over the years than probably almost any other publication. I've been fascinated with it since I was a kid. I love it. Sit but there, the same goes for a lot of other people. Everybody has a collection. They the library does not need to manage like those boxes and boxes yeah. of National Geos. I have you know I have maps. I collect National Geo maps, but. I had yeah. a bunch. I think I only think I only have a few random random issues still laying around. Well, we're about on time. We are on time. We're past time. I want to thank you for coming on, pirate. Well, thank you, Logar. <laughs> it's good to talk to you actually, and not just listen to the show. <laughs> it's good to talk to you. If you've enjoyed what you heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You'll find us on Facebook. Search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at Logar Hale Crom. We're on Patreon. Could you use support? Uh, Patreon.com backslash Wildbees and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.